0: I'm Matt, and I'm Jenna, we are Manna, and this is Food for Thought, a podcast dedicated to encourage and inspire you as you seek to grow your relationship with Christ and live out your Catholic faith. In today's episode, we talk about confession, what it is, why we have it, and how you can make it a part of your regular spiritual life. So my wife and I went to London last year and we went to the home of Charles Dickens and they have actually in his kitchen his old um, spices and spice racks. And you know what was in his spice rack? The best of times and the worst of times. Hi, everyone. Welcome to episode 52. It is just me, just Matt, this time. Um, Jen and I's schedules were a little bit crazy this week, and so um, she asked me to um, record solo. Um, And so we're not going to do the episode that we had planned um, and promoted on Instagram this week. That'll be our next upcoming episode. Um, And so I'll keep you on edge to discover what this episode will be about. But first, peak pit plug. My peak of this past uh, two weeks is I got a new guitar for the first time in 15 years. I've been using the same guitar to lead worship. And um, it was a gift from my very good friend Christian. And it's still in great working condition, but... Um, I needed an upgrade for all of the the opportunities I have to to lead others in prayer, and um, it's starting not to hold its tune super great. So I got a brand new special edition Taylor acoustic guitar. It's beautiful, Um, and I'm playing it for XLT tonight. I'm recording this on Friday, September 20th, and so um, you'll hear this after the fact, but um, if you already know about it, hopefully we'll see you there. Um, My pit, though, of the past two weeks is... Our schedule's been pretty crazy, and my work schedule in particular, along with traveling, um, I haven't had just a lot of time to really be with my family, um, especially with Hannah, our daughter. I've had some time with Erica this last weekend. We went to a wedding for her good friend Sarah. Shout out to you, Sarah and Matt. Happy wedding. Uh, First week of being married, Um, and that was really fun, but we were away from our daughter for a whole weekend for the first time. So that was kind of a pit, um, and not really being able to spend a ton of time at home just the way that things fell on the schedule um on our schedule this week um so i'm looking forward to this weekend and next week things calming down But um, my plug, um, a lot of you know that I don't go on social media um, or watch the news very much. But when I do go on social media, um, my feed is cluttered with really awesome Catholic accounts to follow. And if you haven't thought about incorporating your faith into what you see on your news feed, um, on social media, on Twitter, Instagram, Facebook, whatever it may be, um, I want to encourage you to just start, maybe just search Catholic. But um, I want to recommend one I found recently recently. and it that is at Church Pop on Instagram. The icon is like a little double popsicle um, with a blue background, and um, it's just got some fun daily stuff. Um, there's a lot of great ones out there too. A lot of ones that um, are more of my favorite, but this is one that I just found recently and thought I would share it with you. So uh, this week um, we're uh, we I and all of you um, we're I want to talk about confession. Because I think confession is something that we shy away from or that we misunderstand or that a lot of people just, um, they don't do regularly or when they do it regularly, it's more out of ritual rather than um, a desire to enter more deeply into relationship with Jesus. It's more out of um, living our faith life um, as if we don't want to go to hell um, versus living our faith life like we want to pursue heaven. And that sounds like they could be the same thing, but they are different. And so uh, confession is not just about avoiding hell. Um, in fact, it's not about avoiding hell at all. It's about uh, recognizing what where we need to grow in our relationship with the Lord and when we've done wrong, um, coming back into right relationship with him and being welcomed home by a loving and merciful God. Um, and so I want to talk a little bit about what confession is and use the definition we have of a sacrament to talk about Um, you know, the ins and outs of confession, but why we do confession, and then talk a little bit about how you can make a good confession and why you should go. Um, And so the definition of a sacrament, this is for all seven sacraments, is that each sacrament is a visible sign instituted by Christ to give grace So there's three parts there. Number one is that it's a visible sign. There's something tangible and physical that happens. Sometimes it's represented by symbols, um, but there's, there's something physical that happens. Two, that it's instituted by Christ, that we can see the roots of all of this in Scripture, in the words that Jesus himself spoke or the things that he did. And then um, they all give grace. And grace is one of those things um, that I've heard best defined as God's very life within us. And so um, when we receive grace, we're receiving the presence of God and deeper relationship with him uh, into our lives. And so um, the, the sacraments... Not only um, restore or um, have certain markers in our life of rites of passages, um, you could consider them that way, um, to be more in relationship with God. But they even invite us deeper than we were before, even if we're coming from a place of sin, like in the Sacrament of Reconciliation. So we'll talk a little bit about that. So let's talk about those three pieces. Number one, this is a visible sign. In the book of James in scripture, chapter five, verse 16, after James is talking a little bit about anointing of the sick, he says this, therefore confess your sins to one another and pray for one another that you might be healed. It's interesting that he recognizes that sin can directly contribute to our physical suffering or the things that we need healing from. And so um, confession is a visible sign a visible returning to reconciling from the ways that we've separated ourselves from God or from the church. Uh, It's an expression of coming back into that right relationship. And this is not something new that the church invented. This goes all the way back to the Old Testament. In fact, it says in in Leviticus, in chapter 5, verse 5, when someone is guilty in regard to any of these matters, that person shall confess the wrong committed and make reparation to the Lord for the wrong committed a female animal from the flock, a ewe lamb or a she-goat as a purification offering. Thus the priest shall make atonement on the individual's behalf for the wrong. And so there's a recognition even in Hebrew culture that when you do something wrong, it not only affects your relationship with God, but it affects the community. And you have to go back to the community and to the person who represents God and make reparation, make repentance um, for those sins that you've committed. And uh, some people in the Old Testament, uh, for certain sins, they used to realize this by covering themselves in ashes and sackcloth, which is a very uncomfortable fabric, kind of like burlap. And they would stand on the steps of the temple because they couldn't go in the temple because they were unclean. And they would shout their sins at passersby for a uh, whatever period of time corresponded to the severity of their sins because they recognized that... My sin, no sin is private, that my sin affects everyone around me. And that remains today. Our sin affects the people around us. It affects the church, whether we realize it or not. It says in 1 Corinthians chapter 12, verse 12, As a body is one, though it has many parts, and all the parts of the body, though many, are one body, so also Christ. And it goes on to think about, to say, uh, Now the body is not a single part, but many. If a foot should say, Because I am not a hand, I do not belong to the body. It does not, for this reason, belong any less to the body. And then it goes on uh, in verse 21, for instance, the eye cannot say to the hand, I do not need you, nor again the head to the feet, I do not need you. Indeed, the parts of the body that seem to be weaker are all the more necessary. And then lastly, in 26, if one part suffers, all the parts suffer with it. If one part is honored, all the parts share its joy. And so even if you feel like your sin is private, If our sin, oh, uh, this happens behind closed doors, nobody else knows about it, or it's just me and this one other person that's affected. That's not true because sin has a ripple effect into all of our relationships. Sin distorts the way that we view the world, that we view others, that we view ourselves, and that will trickle into our behavior, our attitude, our thought patterns, and our actions, and those all directly affect the people around us. And so every single sin, no matter how small or great, affects the entire church. And so when we separate ourselves from God in sin, Uh, And we have to make a distinction here. Not all sin separates you from God. There's two types of sin. And we see this in scripture. We see this in um, 1 John 5, uh, verses 16 and 17. Uh, It says, "Um, if anyone sees his brother sinning, if the sin is not deadly, he should pray to God and he will give him life. This is only for those whose sin is not deadly. There is such a thing as deadly sin about which I do not say that you should pray. All wrongdoing is sin, but there is sin that is not deadly. And so there's a distinction here that there are sins but some sins are worse than others. And so in the Catholic Church in our tradition we've named those two groupings of sins. One is venial sin, that's the lesser sins that you can pray for, as it says in first John. you can pray for forgiveness. this could be something like telling a white lie or um, you know um, you know saying something unkind. Or, you know, any of those little things that we do where we lack kindness or generosity or we're not acting in a charitable way toward other people, um, things that don't cause serious um, physical or emotional harm to other people um, or ourselves, those could be considered venial sins. We can confess those in prayer. Anytime you bless yourself with holy water, those are forgiven. Anytime you pray a rosary, anytime you hear the gospel proclaimed, anytime you pray the confidior at mass, I confess to Almighty God and to you, my brothers and sisters, that prayer. And anytime you receive the Eucharist, your venial sins are forgiven and a multitude of other ways. Your venial sins are forgiven on a given Sunday, probably, you know, six times at least without you realizing it. Um, and you can directly ask for those in prayer. Every single night if you want to. If you want to examine your day and ask for forgiveness for those things, you can do that. Confession in particular is for mortal sins, the deadly sins. because mortal sin affects our, our souls so severely that it considers uh, it, we're considered completely separated from a, re- a right relationship with God when we commit them. They're that severe. And so how do you know the difference between a mortal sin and a venial sin? I'll tell you. There's a little acronym you can remember. It's ABC. These are the ABCs of mortal sin. For a sin to be mortal, A, you have to be aware. A is aware. You have to be aware that it is a mortal sin. So if someone is not Christian, if they're not Catholic, if they're not educated in the faith, they have no idea the the harm this is doing to them or to others. Uh, and you can argue that some of that can be inferred or people should know already, but some people who are active in the church may not know a particular sin is a mortal sin because they were uh, educated wrongly or they just believed differently based on how they were raised or they never knew that and so a you have to be aware that a sin is a mortal sin b it has to be bad and so the catechism uses the language it has to be a grave matter and we'll talk about another acronym to categorize what sins are particularly grave. And then C is consent. You have to fully consent to commit this sin. No one can force you to do it. Um, You know, you have to be of your own free will. Now, if you engage in, you know, consuming alcohol to the point where you're getting drunk, that's your own free will. And then any resulting sin that you commit because of that, even if you're not Retaining your full faculties, if you're not totally aware, you still committed that initial sin to get drunk, and so you're responsible for everything you do when you get drunk. As a result, you you um, inadvertently consented, or it's inferred that you consented because you consented to the first that led to the second. So that's the ABCs. What are those different kinds of grave sins, of mortal sins? You can find lists probably online or traditional lists that priests used to use in the confessionals. Um, But I find that they all fall under three categories that um, you can remember using the word aim, A-I-M, because the word sin means to miss the mark. That's what it literally means. Our goal is always to hit the bullseye, to go for heaven, to be saints. But when we sin, it means that we miss the mark. And so that involves our aim, A-I-M. So A is adultery. So that doesn't just mean committing adultery. It means any activity sexual activity or activity outside of God's plan for sexuality and marriage and so premarital sex the use of contraception um, abortion um, you know cohabitation all these different things depending on the severity of some of them um, you know all those things I listed are pretty severe but there are others that might fall into that category of you know um, premarital, um, you know, sexual relations that aren't actually having sex, you know, things that are just like, oh, you know, I made out a little bit too passionately with this person or something like that. And it could have led to other things, but it didn't, or maybe it did, you know, um, but those introductory things, there's kind of a little bit of gray area there. It kind of always depends on the context. But um, as a general rule, everything outside of God's plan for marriage and sexuality, for your life, your relationship, your marriage, etc. cetera. Um, so that's adultery. I is idolatry. Idolatry is putting anything intentionally before God, uh, in your life. And the main way that this happens is when people, um, miss mass on purpose on Sunday, or if they purposefully, willingly, and with full awareness or lack of care, receive the Eucharist in a state of mortal sin, unrepentant mortal sin, um, And so um, there's probably other ways that that can... I mean, if you're actually like melting your jewelry into golden calves and worshiping it still, then yeah, probably idolatry, bro. Knock it off. But um, usually that's how we... Uh, end up falling into the trap of idolatry, and then lastly, the M is murder. So not just killing someone, um, but actually physically harming other people with our words, our actions, physical violence, um, severe gossip, severe um, you know emotional um, bullying, things like that. All of those can fall in that category, and obviously any type of Uh, Unjust violence or war, anything that's done not out of self defense, um, anything that's uh, done to attack the good name of another person, unrighteous anger, um, you know, fighting with your siblings, with your family, different things like that. Depending on the severity of those, um, they could all fall in that mortal sin category. And so all of those things separate us so severely from our relationship with God that we need to go back to a person who represents the community and God. Because remember, we're part of the community. We're one of many parts. And whatever, whenever one part is suffering, the whole body is suffering. And so we need to reconcile with the community and with God. Who is the perfect representation of both? Not that they are perfect people, but they the only people that fit into both categories, and that is a priest. Because when the priest is conferring a sacrament, when he's um, administering a sacrament, It's not the priest that you're confessing to. You're confessing to Jesus. The priest is acting in persona Christi, in the person of Christ. The priest does not forgive your sins. The priest does not absolve your sins. It is Jesus Christ working in the person of the priest. And so whether you confess in prayer your venial sins or in confession your mortal sins, it's always God forgiving you through the person of Jesus. Um, It's just a different means by which he does it because we need to make a physical act of reparation and reconciliation to return to the community. And we can't do that sitting alone in our rooms, confessing silently in prayer, pretty severe things that separate us from God and from the community he's called us to be a part of. So that's the visible sign aspect of the what and why of confession. The second uh, part of that definition of a sacrament is that it was instituted by Christ. So we see this in scripture. We see this in Matthew 16 when Jesus uh, gives Peter the authority uh, to be the leader of the church. He um, says... um, You are Peter, and upon this rock I will build my church, and the gates of the netherworld shall not prevail against it. I will give you the keys of the kingdom of heaven. And then he says this, Whatever you bind on earth shall be bound in heaven, and whatever you loose on earth shall be loosed in heaven. He gives Peter in that moment the authority to forgive sins or to keep sins unforgiven. And later he extends that authority to all of the disciples. In the Gospel of John, once Jesus has been crucified, he resurrects and he appears to them uh, in the upper room, and, um, shows them his hands and his side. And he says, peace be with you as the father has sent me. So I send you. And when he says, had said this, he breathed on them and said, receive the Holy spirit whose sins you forgive are forgiven them. And whose sins you retain are retained. So that is a direct command, a direct authority God has given to the apostles and to Peter who were the first priests and then the first bishops who then their apostolic authority when they laid hands on other men and ordained them as the future priests um, and bishops and deacons. uh, Well, not deacons. Deacons don't. uh, It's clear in scripture in Acts chapter 6 what their role is. Their role is to serve the community and help orphans uh, and widows uh, and the poor. But uh, priests and bishops in particular, they have that um, authority from God from God alone, and they alone have that authority to forgive those sins. And so um, that comes directly in scripture, instituted by Christ, commanded by him, and then we can see that carried out in, um, in the New Testament, in the Acts of the Apostles, in the letters, uh, when uh, there, Peter is going around forgiving people's sins, um, when only the apostles can lay hands on other people, when they ordain other people, not just other disciples, it has to be one of them, we see that very clearly. Uh, and so that's a sacrament visible sign instituted by Christ. And the last part is to give grace. The crazy thing about confession y'all is that when you go to confession, you come out even better than before you committed that sin, you confessed because you're receiving the grace of God. It says, um, in the book of Romans, let me find it. Um, in the book of Romans chapter five, um, verse 20. Where sin increased, grace overflowed all the more, so that as sin reigned in death, grace might also reign through justification for eternal life through Jesus Christ our Lord. So when we sin, grace abounds all the more. When we bring our sin to God, we get even more grace because we're recognizing I'm a sinner, I need God, and God is saying, yes, you do need me, and you've come before me with that honest, open surrender, and so I give you myself, I give you more than you had before. Um, And so... The natural conclusion for some people might be, well, then should I just keep sinning so I can get more grace? And actually, Paul um, recognizes that. And he says right after this, um, when it goes into chapter six, what then shall we say? Shall we persist in sin that grace may abound? Of course not. How can we who died in sin yet live in it? Or are you unaware that we who were baptized into Christ Jesus were baptized into his death? We were indeed buried with him through baptism into death so that just as Christ was raised from the dead by the glory of the Father, we too might live in newness of life. For if we have grown into union with him through a death like his, we shall also be united with him in the resurrection. And so there's a recognition here that there's a relationship. There's a relationship here that we've been entered into. And that we have died to sin, just like Jesus died on the cross for sin, and we will rise with Him. And if you've ever been in a relationship where, um, you know, you've done something wrong, you know, you've done something, maybe you've done something minorly wrong, and maybe you're just like, oh, I really need to do better. That would be the equivalent of reconciling a venial sin. You've made an awareness that you sinned, and you're making an effort not to do it. And there's a way that that can be forgiven, even without it needing really to be talked about. You could just say, Hey, I'm sorry for earlier. However, if you commit the equivalent of like a mortal sin in a relationship, let's say a relationship with your spouse, you cheat on your spouse, um, there's going to have to be a real act of reparation and there's going to be need to be real spoken forgiveness for that relationship to continue. And you're probably not just going to have to speak that to your wife, but probably to your family, uh, to all of the people that were affected, your children. There's a lot of reconciliation that needs to happen. The same is true of the church. When mortal sin happens, we need to reconcile with the church. Um, And so... There's a recognition that there's a relationship there. And when real forgiveness happens, that strengthens relationships. I don't know if you've ever been in a relationship where you've come clean about something or you've been honest about like, hey, I'm really sorry that this happened. And the other person has wholeheartedly forgiven you. That strengthens the relationship. There's a newer sense of vulnerability, honesty, accountability there that there wasn't before. That same thing happens in confession. And we get used to doing that in our relationship with God and recognizing I need to do better because you love me, Lord, and I want to love you in return, in return, then we, um, we are strengthened in our relationship with him. And so that's one of the many reasons why you should go. I mean, sin is like laundry or credit card debt, you know, like, um, you can do, you can let little bits of laundry pile up. You know, let's say you, you always did your laundry every week but uh, you never wash your underwear and your socks. And you just had to keep buying new underwear and socks. Eventually you'd have this giant mountain of unwashed underwear and socks. These small articles of clothing, but eventually you'd have this pile that was so massive, you, you would look at it and be like, I'm never gonna get this done. The same thing with credit card debt. You can make a lot of little purchases and think like, oh, it's not that bad. I'm just getting points or whatever. But the more and more you rack that up without paying the bill, Eventually, it's going to become this astronomical thing that you can't overcome. The same is true of sin. It doesn't need to be mortal sin for it to pile up and for us to need to go to confession. Uh, and so no matter where you're at, if you have a state of mortal sin on your heart, or if you're just, you know, you're you're doing well in your walk with the Lord, but we're all imperfect and we all sin and you just got, you know, little bits of venial sin here and there, but you haven't been in a while, that's probably a good idea to get back. Because when you go to confession, there's a 100% guarantee that you will be forgiven no one walks into that confessional to make a confession and comes out unforgiven. You know, I it does say in scripture, you have the power to bind on earth what is bound in heaven, loose on earth, what, or whatever you loose on earth will be loosed in heaven, um, to forgive sins or to retain them. I don't know of anyone ever retaining the sin. You know, I think it's a, a dichotomy that's made there. There's a comparison being made there. But to show like, no, you have the power to forgive. Or to not forgive, like you have, that's the authority you have. I'm not just telling you like you can forgive these sins, but you all, you have a binding power that what you say goes so that when you speak those words of absolution, know that my authority is, is acting in you to do what you're about to do. And so when we experience the sacrament of of confession, there's a hundred percent guarantee of forgiveness and there's a zero percent guarantee of judgment from the Lord. Now you might have a bad confessor. You know, not all priests are great at everything that they're asked to do. They're not perfect. And so, um, but for the most part, know that at least the way that they're trained, unless there's maybe cross-cultural barriers or maybe they misunderstand something that you said, we'll talk about how to make a good, clear confession in a second. Um, but to recognize like the, that that's not a place for judgment. And I'm fully uh, supportive of if a priest is really being judgmental and harsh to you in a way that's not loving, if they're like lecturing you or telling you that you're like terrible, um, that you should be like, you know, you have no idea what the purpose of this is. I came here to be forgiven and you're being a jerk and to get up and walk out of that confessional. You're not acting in the person of Christ. You're you're acting out of your own pride and to walk out. Um, However, I've never needed to do that. As much as I would have the boldness and the ability to do that, um uh, because i recognize that people are imperfect and sometimes like i don't need to sit through that if it's not right you know um i've never had to do that because i recognize priests do this all the time they don't they're not there to remember my sins because they've heard so many confessions they've heard confessions of people in prison i'm not going to say anything that's going to shock them they're there to welcome me home they're not there to correct me even though it might seem like they're trying to There's a recognition that we have already done the correction by coming to the confessional. They're simply trying to encourage us and to help us not to have to correct ourselves as severely in the future because they love us and they recognize how much God loves us. Some people can't articulate love very well, um, just like some parents can't do that well or some family members, you know, you may never hear I love you from certain family members um, because it's just hard for them to have that language. It's the same thing with priests. Some of them aren't good at articulating that love. But that's the purpose of why they're there. That um, That's why we go. And Jesus commanded us to do this. This is the command of every single Christian. Confess your sins to one another. It's part of the Hebrew tradition. It carried on in the Christian tradition. And Jesus set up a way in which we can do that in the church. He, he created the church for us so that he can be in perpetual relationship with us. And that we would have everything we need, no matter how much we stumble, to allow for that that um, purchase, that price that was purchased for us of salvation on the cross, to be an a, an an eternal one that we don't have to. There doesn't have to be a second crucifixion. You know, we don't have to earn it again. We can't earn it again. But we do need help along the way when we mess up to be reminded of that need we have for a savior and to cling ourselves once again to that great truth, that great reality. Uh, and so there's a multitude of those reasons why you should go. Um, but primarily, I hope you recognize that you should go because it's going to make you better. It's going to make you happier. It's going to make you holier. And it's going to help you to experience the unconditional love and forgiveness of God that you deserve. Pope John Paul II once said, you are uh, not the sum of your faults and failures. You are the sum of the Father's love for you. And no place is that realized better than the sacrament of reconciliation. That word reconciliation, re, again, con, together, So together again, ation is the process of, so the process of together again, and then cilia, cilia is hairs, kind of like eyelashes. So being eyelash to eyelash, face to face, hair to hair, again, together with God. That's what reconciliation is. He's there with you face to face, loving you that intimately, that closely saying, I see you. I see you in your mess. I've been in a mess on the cross. I get it. I felt the, the pain and the punishment of those sins and that suffering and I want you to be free of it because you shouldn't have to cling to it because I already clung to the cross for you. That's what awaits you in confession. Don't be afraid. Don't be nervous. You come out every single time forgiven and if you don't know how to make a, con- a confession, it's been a long time. I'll walk through that in a moment um, but recognize um, you don't need to be in this state of mortal sin to go. It's a great thing to make a regular habit and when you go If you have no idea how to do it, if you forget everything I'm about to tell you, tell the priest, hey, it's been a long time. Can you help me? Can you walk through this? The priest went to school for this. Like, this is their main job. They're gonna be like, yeah, I, you know, I do this all the time. So yeah, no problem. Like, you're not the one that needs to remember. I'm the one that was trained to remember. And so um, be honest and say like, hey, it's been a while. I don't really know what to say or what to do. And they'll help you out. And they might even ask you some questions to help kind of discern what sins might be on your heart, even if you haven't prepared that well. However, I want the next time you go to confession to be a really great confession. So I want you to prepare well. So here's some things that you can do. A, plan on making it a regular habit, even when you're not in a state of mortal sin. Plan like, I'm going to go once a month. I'm going to go the first Saturday of every month or something like that. Uh, And then try and go to the same person, the same priest in the same parish face to face. And I know that seems intimidating, but there's some accountability there. But also, they get a chance to get to know you. They get a chance to get to know what you struggle with, not to judge you, not to memorize it and use it against you in the future, but to help give you better advice and counsel when you're in there. And you could even... um, if, if you don't have someone that you've been doing with this already, you can go to a priest and make what's called a general confession. You can say, hey, I've confessed a lot of this stuff, but I want to be coming to confession regularly. And so I just want to give you a background for some of the stuff that I carry with me, uh, some of the stuff that I've struggled with in the past. Um, you can do that in confession as a general confession, or you can arrange to see a priest and ask him to be your spiritual director. A spiritual director is someone that's kind of like a Catholic counselor or therapist. But when you have a priest, it's confession is also offered. And so it's basically like, um, you know, psychotherapy is confession without absolution. Um, you're saying what's on your heart, you're getting some type of advice, but you're not forgiven of the sin because that person doesn't have that authority. Spiritual direction, if you go with a priest, they do. There are other people who are, um, certified to be spiritual directors who are not ordained priests, both men and women, and you can go to them if you're more comfortable having someone, um, to really give you good advice. If maybe the parish, the priest in your area or at your parish is not really good at that, um, then you can go to them and then just go to confession with that, uh, with the priest and, and just use, um the priest for the sacramental part of it. Um, So there's some caveats, but the first thing you need to do is make a good examination of your conscience. Um, Make a good examination. And so there's a lot of, if you look up examination of conscience online, uh, it's basically a lot of different questions to ask yourself that are organized through the Ten Commandments or we um, posted one a while back on the Seven Deadly Sins on one of our episodes that you can go back and look for. Um, But you can find these very easily online and you just walk through it and you ask yourself these questions and say, is that a yes or a no? Is that a sin I committed or not? Is that something I struggle with or not? And it's not meant for you to feel like, oh my gosh, now I have this laundry list of sins. I'm such a big fat sinner, even worse than I thought I was. I could never go to confession. No, it's to help you get everything off your chest, even the stuff that you weren't even thinking about. So that the priest has a good idea of how to counsel you, what penance to give you. um, And so you can feel completely free. uh, And like you, you didn't forget anything, but keep in mind If you go to your confession fully intending to tell them everything that you've done since your last confession and you forget something, it's still forgiven because God recognizes the intent. However, if you willingly leave something out, you're like, oh, I don't want to confess that. You're still holding on to that sin and the consequences of it. Uh, And so recognize that um, we, we need to... The only sin that God cannot forgive is the one you don't ask forgiveness for. And so that's all we need to do is come and just... Allow him to forgive all of them. So make a good examination of conscience. That might be writing a letter to God. It might be, um, you know, checking off what sins you've committed. Uh, There's some great apps. I think on the uh, My Parish app, there's a little like you can check which sins you've committed and they'll all rise to the top of this list. So you can just have your phone out Um, or you can um, get the other uh, good Catholic app, Laudate, the like number one free Catholic app. There's some confession resources in there as well. So when you go to confession, um, look up the times um, on, a, on the parish website. Most parishes have confessions on Saturdays because uh, we're meant to be in a state of grace when we receive communion. Um, and if we can't be in a state of grace from confession, we're meant to um, make a perfect act of contrition for any mortal sin that might be on our heart um, to make sure that we're not inviting Jesus into a body stained by sin, but we're recognizing that we want to be in good relationship with him. Um, that I shouldn't be acting like I, I wouldn't want to be acting like everything is fine in my relationship with my wife and pretend like nothing's going on. If I were having an affair with somebody else that needs to be reconciled before my relationship with my wife can be good again. Um, and so that's kind of the reason for that. So, um, they're usually on Saturdays for that reason. And then a lot of parishes also have them another time during the week, uh, for people who maybe can't get there on the weekend, uh, usually on a weeknight, Um, or in the morning before or after the daily mass. Uh, And so look up the times at your local churches um, and then uh, find which one is more convenient for you. Um, In Orange County, where we are, uh, especially in South Orange County, there is a place every single day of the week where you can go to confession. Um, and I have that list if you know me personally and want to reach out and get that list for me I will send it to you gladly um, But all it took was me just googling, you know, so all you need to do is spend some time on Google um, And then find the place to go that you can go regularly um, And then try out the different priests there um, Go to your own parish if if you can because you're going to be building that relationship with your community if you work at a parish um, it is usually recommended not to have your pastor or your boss, um, be your spiritual director or your confessor, J- not because there's anything that really is going to happen, but it can create some kind of like difficulties for you personally to feel comfortable in your position. Um, even though there is nothing, you know, harmful that should come from it. Um, cause that priest is bound by the seal of confession. They cannot share anything that you say with anyone or they will immediately be stripped of their rights as a priest. They can no longer function as a priest and they will be immediately excommunicated from the church. The church takes that very, very, very seriously. And so I could go confess to my priest face to face and say, hey, I confess that I killed your parents and he couldn't even like call the, the police and hang up, you know, like he, he has, he's not there for that. Um, and so, yes, our humanity can get in the way of that and make it a little sloppier sometimes in indirect ways. So, um, try and go to a priest you're comfortable with, um, that, you know, um, and that you're, you're willing to build that closeness with and build that trust with. And so when you go into the confessional, make sure no one else is in in there, um, close the door behind you. You can usually go behind a screen or face to face. I obviously recommend face to face. Um, and then you begin by saying, bless me father for I have sinned, um, or you just say, it's been this long since my last confession. So bless me Father for I have sinned, it's been this long since my last confession, or just say, um, all right, it's been this long since my last confession. And you don't have to know the exact time. You know, My last confession was when I was in the second grade. And I'm, you know, 30 now or my last confession was about a week ago or about, I, don't know, I think, like six months ago or something like that. You don't have to be exact. It just gives them a time frame to know like how much you're you're um, likely going to be confessing. And if you say, well, I haven't been uh, to confession in 30 years and, um, you know, I got angry a couple times and, um, you know, I took the Lord's name in vain a couple times and that's it. And the priest is probably be like, really in 30 years, like, (laughs) like, let's talk a little bit more here. Like, is there anything else you want to get off your chest? You know? So, um, and then you're meant to, um, so you'll say, bless me father for I've sinned. It's been a month since my last confession. These are my sins. And you'll just start listing your sins. You don't have to say these are my sins, but you'll just say, I did this. Um, I did that. I did that. Remember, you want to confess all your mortal sins and then any venial sins that you choose. Uh, but you don't need to, but any mortal sins. And it's best to confess them in number and in kind. That's what we're asked to do by the church, in number and in kind. So for instance, you don't have to tell the whole backstory. So like, you know, um, so my best friend Jeff and I were doing this and then so-and-so came along and they were talking like blah, blah, blah. And so I was like, when they left, I was like, oh my gosh, I can't believe that person said that. And I was gossiping, right? And then I did it again. You don't have to tell the whole story, okay? You can just say, I gossiped about another person uh, behind their back this many times. And I said um, hurtful things about uh, the way that they look or the way that they speak or something like that. Um, So they get an idea for what kind of sin it was and how many times you committed it. You don't have to go super into detail, but don't also be too general and just say like, well, I broke the first commandment. Well, there's a lot of ways you could break the first commandment. Um, So make sure you're specific enough, but not so specific that you're getting into the gruesome details or you're just giving a lot of information that isn't necessary. Um, and then tell the priest in some way um, that you're done. Uh, you can, the traditional way is saying, for these and all the sins of my life, I'm truly sorry. Um, but you can just say, and that's it. Um, it doesn't have to be super formal. And then uh, the priest will sometimes um, give you some advice, some counsel, uh, some encouragement, um, but they will give you a penance usually, which is a series of prayers or maybe an action to commit. Um, that they want you to do in order to make um, that act of repentance, um, to say, like, I'm I'm taking on the work to help the consequences of my sin be rooted out of my life. Um, and so the, pi- the penance is not binding on your absolution. So if you forget to do your penance, or you don't know how to do your penance, and you forget to ask, or, um, you know, something like that, it's not binding on your absolute, you're still going to be forgiven no matter what. The penance is more of an act of saying, "Yes, Lord, like I'm, I'm sorry for the things that I did and the consequences that they have. Um, I want to make this act of you." It's kind of a a hearkening back to the time when we made acts of reparation with sacrifice. So instead of sacrificing animals or or parts of our harvest, we're sacrificing our prayer time or um, some kind of action to be able to get back into right relationship with God. And normally they're small, like pray to our fathers and two Hail Marys or pray, um, you know, decade of the rosary or um, spend today uh, with a grateful heart or um, go out on a date with your wife, you know, or something like that. You know, some people are more creative than others. Some people always give the same penance. Some people give drastically different ones depending on how much you've confessed. It's just different. So remember what your penance is and any advice that you're given. And then uh, the priest will ask you, usually, to pray an act of contrition. This is a traditional prayer. Um, There are many different versions of it, so you can pray any one that you know. Um, And if you don't know it, tell the priest and he'll walk you through it. A general act of contrition goes like this. God, I love you, I'm sorry for my sins, help me not to commit them anymore. That's the general structure of every single act of contrition. The traditional one is, Oh my God, I'm truly sorry for hurting you with my sins. I detest my sins because of your just punishments, but most of all, because they offend you and you deserve all my love. I firmly resolve with the help of your grace to sin no more and to avoid the near occasion of sin. Amen. And then um, the priest will speak the words of of absolution. Um, God, the father of mercies through the death and resurrection of his son, Jesus Christ, something like that. I'm not a priest, so I don't know it. I've heard it enough times, but it ends with, um, I absolve you of your sins and may God grant you pardon and peace. Or uh, may God grant you pardon and peace. I absolve you of your sins. Go in peace. Or something like that. He says that word. I absolve you of your sins. Um, failing at priest quiz 101 right now. But I don't need to know that. They do. So they that moment is when you're forgiven of your sins. And um, they'll say, um, and may God bless you in the name of the Father, Son, and the Holy Spirit. And you make sign of the cross. And they say, go in peace. And you say, uh, thank you. And you leave. And you go and pray your penance. Spend some time in quiet in the church or the chapel where you are or outside Um, in in quiet and just um, praying your penance, um, collecting your thoughts. Don't just rush out, but really spend some time, you know, a little bit of time in gratitude, a few minutes um, doing your penance and just thanking God for that forgiveness. And so that's how you make a good confession. The church asks us um, as one of the precepts of the church, every Catholic should go to confession once a year. That is like our bare minimum requirement of like what it means to be a Catholic. Um, I recommend that you go once a month. And then anytime you find yourself in a state of mortal sin, go as soon as possible. And learn the act of contrition so you can pray a perfect act of contrition. And it has to be truly repentant. Like God knows if you're just doing this because you don't want to go to hell. Um, but if you're not really repentant, if you're like, well, I know I'm going to do this next weekend again anyway, um, then you're, you're, um, you're not speaking a true act of contrition. Because at the end of the act of contrition, you say, uh, and I firmly resolve to avoid the near occasion of sin the people, places, and things that caused me to sin. I firmly resolve to do that. So every time you go to confession, you're saying, I promise to the best of my ability to never do this again. And if you know full well in your head that you're going to, like you have a plan to carry it out or that you're not really that sorry or that you're only there because you don't want to go to hell and you're just going to go every time you do it, that's not being truly repentant. That sin is probably still has some kind of consequence that's weighing on you. But if you go with the the hope And the desire to strive to not struggle with this anymore, even though you know the reality is that we're all sinners, that's okay. And you are going to be authentically absolved and forgiven of your sins. But recognize God sees the heart. He doesn't just look at the ritual and the words that are spoken and say like, well, you checked the box, so I guess I got to, you know, like we know if we're really coming to God uh, in true repentance or not. And so when we do that, when we have that openness and we're willing to put it on the line and allow God's mercy to work in our lives, uh, we go in 100% of the time we come out forgiven. So I wanna encourage you to go to confession at your next opportunity. It is a beautiful gift that we have from the church. It is nothing to fear. Um, and I wanna share with you a saint that you can ask for help from when it comes to confession and that is St. Francis de Sales. Um, he was, lived around the time, just a generation after the Protestant Reformation. So he lived from 1567 to 1622. Um, and he is a saint and a doctor in the church. And he was known uh, primarily for his writings on spiritual direction and formation. Um, and particularly um, two, th- two of his works, one that I'll talk a little bit about, which is called The Introduction to the Devout Life, and another one called The Treatise on the Love of God. Um, and so his feast day is January 24th, and he is the patron saint of confessors, but most famously of writers and journalists is what his most famous patronage is. And so he was born in modern-day France to a... Uh, um, mother and father who were noblemen or noble woman. And uh, his dad wanted uh, him to be a magistrate, a public, uh, it's kind of like a public government official. And so he sent him off to get the best education because he was the oldest of all the sons. And uh, when he went, he had like a servant and he had a private priest tutor. And um, he was listening to a lecture, uh, a theological lecture on predestination. And that convinced him that he was damned to hell. And so he was really um, distraught. And it actually made him physically ill, which is interesting. That points back to that James passage when he's talking about physical ills. And he says, confess your sins to one another so that you might be healed. There's a link there between our spiritual and our physical health. Um, So just like we need spiritual nourishment in the Eucharist or in food, we need physical nourishment in food. We need spiritual nourishment in the Eucharist. Sorry, I totally fumbled around that analogy. But anyway, uh, same thing is true of confession. When we need uh, physical reconciliation in our earthly relationships, we need spiritual reconciliation in our relationship with God, and that's confession. And so um, Francis Sales experienced a longing for that in this um, effect it was having on him. And so he visited the um, the old parish of Saint-Étienne-de-Gray in Paris, uh, where he prayed the Memorare prayer, which is a famous prayer, um, in front of the um, a black Madonna statue, Our Lady of Good Deliverance. Uh, and he consecrated himself to Mary, he took a vow of chastity, and then um, he became a, um, a third order kind of oblate um, for a while until he returned to Savoy and he continued, um, the, which was the area that... Um, that he grew up in Um, and then he continued his education. Um, He made a pilgrimage to Italy and then continued his education, became a priest, got his doctorate in law and theology. Um, He became um, a provost and was very, very high up in the church. He became the Bishop of Geneva in Switzerland um, a little bit later and he became very uh, well-known for his mystical writings um, and in particular that, um, that one about the devout life. Um, He helped found an order with St. Jane Francis de Chantal, and he died in 1622 um, when he was asked to travel um, in the entourage of the Duke of Savoy. Um, And when he arrived, um, he stayed in um, the monastery in that city, and he suffered a stroke um, while he was there. And um, he was venerated um, pretty quickly after his death and um, became a saint shortly thereafter. I don't know how shortly thereafter. Yeah, very shortly thereafter. He was beatified in 1661, so just like less than 40 years after, and then canonized in 1665, so a few years after that. Um, So he's been around uh, for a while. Um, But in his book, um, The um, Introduction to the Devout Life, there's a chapter on reconciliation, and here's his tips that he offers. There's seven. Number one, make a regular and frequent confession. Make a regular and frequent confession. Number two, have a hearty sorrow and resolution to correct your sins in the future. So remember that we're going in honestly trying not to do this again. Number three, beware of going to confession out of a mere routine um, or out of just um, accusing yourself like, oh, I should have done better. I should have done better. Um, But really making sure that you're recognizing your need to repent of of real sin. Um, Number four, um, accuse yourself simply and plainly of your fault. Don't try and make excuses. Don't try and tell the whole context to make yourself look better. Just say what you did plainly, just as it is. Um, then number five, this is interesting. He tries um, to get to the motive cause. He encourages you to try and get to the motive cause of the sin. So if you're like, if you're lying or fighting with your parents a lot, um, confessing that sin, but also asking yourself, why do I do that? Is there some deeper... Um, thing that I'm struggling with, maybe some other sin I'm I'm grappling with, some other temptation I struggle with that I need to confess. That's the motive for this. Um, And so number six is make sure that you give um, good context and so tell the fact of the sin, the motive, and the duration. So that's kind of the number and the kind and then what is the root of that sin? Why are you doing the thing that you're doing? Don't just confess the small thing if it comes from a very deeper, darker place. Um, and then lastly, try and stick with the same confessor. So a lot of the same tips that I said, um, I heard from other people who are very smart, who all trickled back and probably heard it from St. Francis de Sales because he's awesome. So St. Francis de Sales, pray for us. Ask for his intercession if you have a hard time with confession, if it makes you nervous, um, if you uh, you know, um, have a hard time with it. This is my confession. I don't know why I just want to sing that. But uh, go. Go at your next opportunity. Treat it as an opportunity to really experience the love of God and the mercy of God in a new way. And make a regular thing of it. Um, If you're listening to this and you're not Catholic, I know some of you um, are not Catholic who listen. Maybe go and see if you can talk to a priest and just tell them, hey, I'm not Catholic, but, but can I talk to you? Can I do kind of like a, a version of confession? And they won't do the formal rite of confession with absolution, but it does feel good to talk about it in an environment where, you know, forgiveness um, is there waiting for you and you can get some advice. Um, but if you are a baptized Catholic, um, even if you haven't been practicing in a long time, um, if you received your first confession... Um, you can go any other time in the future it doesn't matter when you received it if you've never received your first confession talk to a priest and see if he can prepare you because when we're adults and we have our faculties about us you really don't need that much preparation for confession beyond everything that i just told you um to be honest and so if you can demonstrate an understanding of the sacrament and a desire for it they might have you take a couple formal classes or you know meet with them a couple times to make sure or they might just say hey you know what let's just do your first confession it just kind of depends um, they don't want Want to withhold that mercy of God from anyone. And so if, if you want this, go, go seeking after it and you will get it. Um. And if you have difficulty with that or finding a place that's, you know, hospitable or welcoming to you, if you're having uh, a struggle with people who are trying to over ritualize or over formalize the process of just getting you to confession, um, then let me know and I can maybe find a a place for you Uh, or reach out to someone, um, you know, another parish that that you don't go to Um, and and not to get around it, but to recognize like if you really have this heartfelt desire for it, um, let's, you know. It's in canon law that we cannot deny anyone the sacraments, and that there is real no um, catechetical um, instruction um, that is spelled out that is necessary for any of the instru- for any of the sacraments, other than an understanding for what the sacrament is. And so, um, yeah, if you've never been baptized or you've never received the first communion or confirmation, then yeah, go through RCIA because you're going to learn a lot, and you need to have that journeying with the community. There's a whole community involvement aspect with you know, the right of dismissal when you're, you know, excuse for mass to go do your own private study, and then a lot of learning and a lot of community that happens. And it makes it a really beautiful uh, journey and opportunity for you to receive the sacraments, not like, you know, in a very simple, easy way, but in a way that does take, you know, effort, but also um, gives you the support system that you need to be part of a church community. But if you're um, Catholic, you've received the sacraments, but it's just been a long time, uh, go back, go back. Um, I want to encourage you to do that. So, Uh, St. Francis de Sales, pray for us. St. Charles Borromeo, pray for us. And know that we are praying for you. Please continue to pray for us in this podcast, that it would continue to benefit um, everyone who listens. Share these episodes with friends if you think they'll benefit. And if you haven't yet, please rate and review our podcast on iTunes, Stitcher, Google Play, wherever you listen, because that helps other people find it. Um, And uh, we are in the process of redesigning and finalizing our logo with some professional help, Uh, people who are much better at this than we are. And so um, I'm very excited for that because I think we haven't got merchandise done because we. We weren't just really, we weren't really that happy with the logo that we made because we're not designers. So, um we took the time to really invest in something good. And so we're looking forward to revealing that and then getting um, some shirts and, and you know fun things, maybe mugs, hats, socks, I don't know, out to all of our patrons. And so if you want to support our podcast for as little as a dollar a month, you can go to our website, manafoodforthought.com, click on the support us on Patreon tab on the homepage, and it'll take you right to our account. You can also find all of our blogs there, our links to all of our social media, our old vlogs, um, and our blogs include a weekly reflection on the psalm for the upcoming Sunday to help you prepare those readings and get the most out of mass possible. So there's my little plug. Uh, Hope to hear from you. Um, Please comment, um, give us feedback. Let us know what episodes you want to hear about. Um, Anytime we have these like, um, last minute switcharounds where we need to do, um, an episode, it really helps to have a lot of suggestions from people that we can pull from and just say, oh yeah, that's a really great one that we can do, um, to fill in for this week as we're preparing, um, for the other episode. So, um, that's that. Our next episode, God willing, will be the one that we prepared, which is all about uh, parenting hacks that you can translate into your spiritual life. So looking at you know the, uh, the baby bag of the uh, common parent and what is a spiritual baby bag that you can have on hand with different things, practices, and ideas that you can uh, carry with you throughout the day uh, to help you and ways you can kind of spiritually hack your life to find that time with God in prayer, find that time for good community, um, find that time learning new things, uh, in ways that are are easy when you're on the go, just like a, a parent would be. And so if you're not a parent, that episode is still for you. We're just bringing our own parent perspective of needing to figure out a lot of that stuff for parenting uh, and translating it into our spiritual lives. So uh, we hope you'll tune in for that next episode. But until next time, know that we're praying for you and we will see you in the Eucharist. Bye.